Okay, Mark chapter number one, and we're going to get back into the verses here. Verse 14, uh, Mark 1, verse 14 and 15, we're uh, going to pick back up here. Uh, now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. Now, we've been in this passage for several weeks before we went uh, on vacation and stuff, and uh, we looked at this issue here about the time is fulfilled. The Lord, now in the earthly ministry, John is put in prison, and again, we're in Mark 1.14. Mark's hitting it. He's not wasting time. Uh, you know, no spider webs are growing on him. He's moving because he's demonstrating the issue of the Lord as the servant. When you get into Matthew and Luke and John, th these are chapters, you know, three, four chapters. Chapter four uh, is when the Lord starts his earthly ministry in Matthew. So here we're in 114. John's in prison already. The Lord's coming to, uh, into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And he's saying, look, the time's fulfilled. And we looked at that. We spent three or four weeks looking at Daniel 9 and the Jewish time schedule. And what the Lord's saying here, realistically, is that the time schedule's moving along, guys, and we're coming to a place now to where we're literally getting toward the end of it, and the kingdom of God is at hand. And when we talk about the issue of the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God, uh, we have to really pay attention to that phrase, the kingdom of God. Because in the gospel of the kingdom of God. Come over with me to Acts 15. And we're just going to look, kind of introduce this uh, the next uh, little bit here, Acts 15. This issue about the kingdom. Um, in Acts 15, Paul goes up to Jer Jerusalem and uh, he, he is uh, meeting with James and with Peter and the boys there and uh, they are ironing some things out dispensationally. Uh, verse uh, 13, And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simon hath declared how God. So James is going to speak. Now James is the half-brother of the Lord. He's the leader of the, he's the pastor of the Jerusalem church, if you will. Okay? Peter, obviously, he's the head of the apostles. He's going to speak, too, as the apostles. Galatians 2, Paul speaks as the apostle to the Gentiles and gives his viewpoint of these events. And when we talk about the kingdom of God, there's two aspects. There's two things that are going on in this. And this evening, we're just going to kind of talk about it, and then we'll get into it. Verse 13, James is going to speak. Verse 14, Simon hath declared how God at first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written, after this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. Now, James is quoting Amos 9. And when and, and the issue here is in Acts 15, what James is saying is, is the Lord's going to come back and set the kingdom up. That's what he's talking about. But in Mark 1, the kingdom isn't set up yet. 
It's the time of the kingdom of what? It's at hand. So it's at it's it's it. So in, when you come back to Mark one, we're in the at hand status of the kingdom, and that's really going to be key here as we move through this. There's going to be an offer of the kingdom here, okay? And and again, the king is there. That's Matthew, the king. He's here, and he's going to set. And but but then what's going to happen? So we got an at hand issue. But then what's going to happen? The earthly ministry of the Lord takes place, the early Acts period, and then what's he going to do? The king's going to return and set it up. So you've got two things going on here when we talk about the kingdom. And two aspects here. And the gospel of the kingdom, the, 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 the good news of the kingdom of God is what the earthly ministry is going to be all about is what the early Acts period is going to be all about. And that's going to become the very basic issue in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the ministry of the apostles, the 12, the 70, the little flock, all of them that are going to come now after Mark 1 here. The basic issue is going to be the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. And it's going to, and how we begin to look at this is really going to become, be an issue here. Because when you talk about the kingdom of God to the average Christian out there, they go bonkers. You've got really two viewpoints, two basic viewpoints on the kingdom of God issue in church history. One is the covenant theologian viewpoint. And then two is the dispensational theologian's <laughs> viewpoint, okay? One, the covenant says, it makes it all, blends it all into one thing, okay? Where the dispensational viewpoint says, no, there's a stagger here, there's a component here, and there's a component there, okay? So what happened, by, by the way, Mark 1, 14, that's where you need to be. You see, he, he, you see the gospel of the kingdom of God? The new Bibles will either pull out, the they'll say the gospel of God. What did they do? They blended it all together. Or they'll say the gospel of the kingdom. That blended, they, they never say the gospel of the kingdom of God. There's one or the other, or they completely rearrange it. And by the way, if you read the message, you don't even see it. It's just such a looney tune thing. By the way, they do that with Romans 1.16, the power of... Uh, of salvation and the power, which is the gospel of Christ, the, the, the power of our salvation, okay? They take out Christ. They just leave gospel. What are they doing? They're blending it. They, they're making it one gospel. They're going to make this one kingdom, and they're going to say it, and I'm going to say it again and again today. It's the kingdom of God in the hearts of man. And he's reigning and ruling in the hearts of men today rather than a liter literal, physical, visible, earthly kingdom over here. And how they do that and why they do that is they come from a viewpoint, a thinking of it. And the co covenant theologians, reformed, you'll hear them called. Uh, that, those are R.C. Sproul. I know he's dead and gone, but he was one. Hank Hanegraaff's one. You look at, uh, I just had his name. Anyway, you look at the big guys, that's usually what they are. And what they do is they allegorize everything. Jerusalem is your hometown. Judah is your, uh, is your um, uh, county. 
Israel is your state. See, they, they just, they allegorize it. They take all of this stuff and they make it a metaphorical thing. And what they do then is their end result is in that the kingdom of God is ruling in the hearts of men. So when you hear someone say that, don't jump all over them. Just recognize where they're coming from. The average Christian today thinks this way. They think in a covenant reform theology viewpoint that the kingdom is residing in the hearts of men. So therefore, God rules in the hearts of men. Now, real quick here, look over with me at Mark chapter 9. They use verses to prove that and to do this. Now, you can come to the Bible and you can prove any point you want to make. But if you keep reading long enough, you'll be proved to be wrong. So the goal is, is don't keep reading. Find your verse, stop, and move on, you know. And, and if you ever, Mark 9, if you ever deal with a Calvinist, that's what they do. They'll deal with half a verse. You and I read the rest of the verse, they go, oh, no, 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 half of the verse. So then what do they do? They rewrite the verse so that the other half mysteriously went away. And when you, that, so you just have to understand where they're coming from. Look at Mark 9, look at verse 42. And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believed in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into what? Life. You see the life maim than having two hands to go into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched. Verse 45. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter and halt into life. You see how he's using life? Now watch verse 47. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the what? The kingdom of God. So you see how Mark reused life, life, and then kingdom? So the reform guys come along, the covenant guys come along, and they say, see... You're going to go into life this way and life this way, and guess where? The kingdom. And they take, they'll say that the kingdom isn't a territory. You think about a kingdom, you think about a territory. Mm -hmm. But rather, it's your life. They allegorize the kingdom into being your life, and they use these three, four verses to do it. And they say, see, cut your hand off for life. Now, the thing is, is when we study Mark 9... And we've studied this in the past, but we will again. You find out that life here that he's talking about is eternal life. Not life as in, in, in a half hour, 45 minutes, we're going to be done and we can go get Culver's or whatever. Okay, He's not talking about that. In the passage, he's rather talking about eternal life. By the way, how you know that is it's better to go into hell one-handed than two hands. Where is hell? Where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. That's eternity. Mm -hmm. So really, so when you, you know, when you get into it and you study this stuff out, the theologian guys, they, they make a mess of it. And there's obviously different aspects of the covenant theology. Okay? You've got the amillennialist covenant theologist. You've got the premillennialist covenant theologist, and you've got the postmillennial covenant theologist. <laughs> Just muddy up the water for you. 
I was reading this at, this morning and studying uh, a couple of the uh, commentaries that I have that are written by these guys and the amillennialist and the post covenant theology guys, okay? They don't believe in a literal, physical, visible, physical, earthly, Davidic kingdom. Rather, they, they believe that it's everybody's one people. So they, Israel is now the church, and the church is now Israel. There's no distinctions. The kingdom is made visible in the visible church today. So what do you hear them say? We, we have to do what we can to bring in the kingdom. So now you're doing this and you're doing that. Now when you get to the covenant theologists, the premillennial guys, they say the kingdom is both now and in the future. So it will literally be on the earth, but right now it's in the hearts of men. <laughs> Follow that? Are you confused yet? It's unreal. See, they, they can't, you know, a dispensational viewpoint comes in and says, no, there is the kingdom of God, and it's got some aspects to it here. One belongs to Israel on the earth. The other belongs to the church, the body of Christ, in the heavenly places. And that's the difference. So when you're dealing with someone, and, and the kingdom of God will come up in any conversation, it's amazing to me how often it'll just pop up, when you know you ask them the question, well, what do you believe the kingdom of God is? Nine out of ten of them will say it's in the hearts of men, God ruling and reigning. When you say, or I'll say, it's a literal, physical, visible, Davidic, earthly kingdom, and then they say, well, yeah, no, but it's this. Okay. So as we look at this, as you begin to deal with the phrase, the kingdom of God. Even as Bible believers, as dispensationalists, we do run into problems with this phrase. Look at Mark 1.14. Because sometimes we try to explain it when we should just keep our mouth shut. Now, I'm going to try to explain it when we get done. You're probably going to tell me, you should have kept your mouth shut. Okay? But because what happens is, is the kingdom of God is... A literal, physical, visible, earthly, Davidic kingdom on the earth. But it is also ruling and reigning in the hearts of men. Okay? All right? So what happens is, is we try to draw the line and say it's one or the other. When in reality, I'm going to show you, it's both. Okay? Now, look, look at Mark 1.14. Now, after that, John was put in prison... Jesus came into, the, pre, into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Okay, what's he preaching? The gospel of the kingdom of God. So everybody has a hissy fit. Well, come over to Matthew 4. Matthew 4 and verse 17. The parallel passage here of, of Mark 1.14. Matthew 4.17. From that time, Jesus, from that time, the time when John's been put in prison, verse 12. Now, when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. <laughs> verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of what? Heaven. Of heaven. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. 
is at hand. So Matthew says kingdom of heaven, Mark says kingdom of God, and everybody flips a lid. When you think about the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about an earthly kingdom, and when he says kingdom of God, that's a big term, a universal term. It's like the gospel of God. It's a big term. Okay? But think about Matthew. Only Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven. And that's because how does Matthew depict the Lord? As a king. And when God sets up his kingdom, it will be, as Deuteronomy 11 says, the days of heaven on the earth. Follow that. So Matthew, come over to Matthew 6. Matthew 6 and verse 33. Matthew says, kingdom of heaven. But Matthew also says, kingdom of God. Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of what? Kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. So he, Matthew is using them interchangeably. Are you confused yet? Are you going, huh? See, if, you're not, if you don't step back and let the verses say what the verses say. Now think about this. Because Matthew 6.33 is the key to understanding all of this. Okay? Matthew 6.33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and what? His righteousness. There is the moral, the righteous, spiritual kingdom. When you have that, now not you, Church of Body of Christ, you little flock. When the little flock has his righteousness, what's going to happen to them? All these things shall be added unto them. What's the all things? Well, it's all those things listed from verse 25 and following, the literal, physical, visible earthly things that they're going to need. So what do we have? We have, one, the spiritual issues being taken care of. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then we also have the physical, earthly physical things being, that's why I said it's part of both, okay? The only people who are qualified to receive the physical promises made to Abraham and to David in the covenants and the promise, promises and that the prophets had been telling them about are those that are the spiritual seed of Abraham and of David, the born-again ones, the believing remnant. Okay, So when you begin to talk about kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven, you have to back up because there is a spiritual component. Come over to John, to John 3. And then there is also a physical component. Now, we are not talking about you and I today. The closest thing that Paul talks to you and I today about a kingdom of is there in Timothy when he's going and he says kingdom of heaven and that's the heavenly places, okay? But Paul is going to talk about us being regenerated. Now, we're going to get there in just a minute. So in John 3, you've got the great passage with Nicodemus about him being, needing to be born again. You and I, as members of the body of Christ, are never 
born again. We were never born of God the first time. We were born of our mom and dad. We're Gentiles. Israel was born of God. He'll say, coming out of Egypt, there's my firstborn, talking about Israel. So he says, John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, talking to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, that's, people say, oh, he's just goofing around. No, he is dead serious. Because if you look down at verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Nicodemus should have known what the Old Testament prophets had told them. Jeremiah 31. <laughs> Ezekiel 36, the two passages about the new covenant and the fact that what do they have to have? They are still the sons of Adam. They have a sin problem, a spiritual problem, but they also have to have that physical descendancy issue of Abraham's seed. But just because you got the one, you got to have both. That's why I said a minute ago, when you talk about the kingdom of God, it is both God ruling in the hearts of men, the spiritual side, and the literal, physical, visible, earthly, Davidic side. Okay? Nick, the basic requirement is this issue of being born again. Watch verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. Notice, capital S. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. They, Israel had to be born of Abraham's seed. There's the flesh. Okay? And that which is born of the spirit, capital S, is what? Spirit. There's the new birth. They, the spirit, they, they have to have their spirit... They got to get the life of God, which is given by the Spirit, in their spirit. You and I, Paul tells us in Titus 3 that we are regenerated. We're not born again. Ephesians 2, verse 1, you know that verse? Great little verse. Ephesians 2, 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Quickened. We are never born the first time of God, but we are regenerated. We are quickened. We are born into the family of God. We are his children, but we don't have the physical birth that Israel had. Actually, our physical issues aren't resolved until the new body. And that new body is geared to just get us to be able to function in the heavenly places. These guys have to function in both the physical, terra firma, earth, and in the spiritual. Hopefully we're kind of making a little more sense here. Okay? Hopefully we're clearing away. Matthew 1, verse 21. And he came to save his people from their sins. Right? The Lord comes. You know that verse, Matthew 1, verse 21. 
And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their, from their what? You see, they are his people. They're just what? They still need to get saved. They're, they're his people. Yet they need what? They need the spiritual issues taken care of. When he comes, when he says, I've come to seek that which is lost. The lost sheep of the house of Israel. Lost in what manner? Well, he's, the Lord in his earthly ministry is, here's the spiritual condition you're in. Over. We've looked, we've studied Matthew. We've studied Luke. We've studied... And we've seen over and over and over again the heart issue that the Lord brings to the table. Moses said, don't do this. I'm telling you, if in your heart you did it, it's done. See? So when you come into this, uh, come back to 1 Chronicles 29. 1 Chronicles 29. So when the Lord comes in and, and he says, hey, it's time for the gospel of the kingdom of God, when we talk about that term... The gospel of the kingdom of God, it, it, again, God, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, those aspects are very important to have somewhat straight in our mind. For, um, First Chronicles 29. Verse 10. 29.10. Wherefore David... Bless the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is what? Thine. Thine is the kingdom. O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thy hand is the power and might, and in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, as David gives this blessed here, this thanksgiving, this prayer, Notice what he says in verse 11 carefully. Thine, uh, thine, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, the majesty, for all that is in heaven and in earth is thine. Thine is the what? Kingdom. So the kingdom, what is it made up of? What is the Lord? He's the possessor of heaven and earth. Right? He's the... Most high. What does Isaiah 14, what does Satan say? I will be like the most high. What is he really wanting to do? I want to ultimately control both realms of the heaven and the earth. But who do they really belong to? They belong to the Lord. We studied this, Colossians 1, 16, 17. They're made by him and for him. So it's okay to say that the kingdom of God is a universal term because what's it going to in, in, what's it gonna hold? Both realms, the heaven and the earth. Okay? So if you want to say that 
the kingdom of God, that term is a universal term, which they, some do, and that's fine. But what does it have under it? It's got both realms, heaven and earth. So now what do we have to do? We have to dispensationally study our Bibles, don't we? When, when Matthew uses kingdom of heaven and then kingdom of God, is he wrong? No. When Luke and Mark and them only use kingdom of God, are they wrong? No. When they interchange, no, it's not. It's, a, it's got two components. Actually, it's got more than two components. <laughs> it's got the heaven and the earth part, and then, all, then the angel part, the angelic part that sit there. Because what's, when, you, when you talk about kingdom, what, do you, what, what registers in our mind? Government, rulership. And you see, the ultimate question that Satan introduces into the equation is whose authority is going to win? Whose right is it going to be? So the kingdom is literally a physical, visible, earthly Davidic kingdom, but it is also a literal, physical, invisible kingdom in the heavenly places. Because what are we doing? We're talking about government. We're talking about something that's real, real activity, real authority, real identity. We're not, we're not talking about who, by the way, both Israel and the church have to be spiritually moral, righteous, spiritual, and then they both have to be in the right family, descendants of Abraham and in the body of Christ. Okay? Did I confuse you even more? Okay, hopefully we're clearing, letting some of the dirty bath water out. All right? So what you have to do is you have to really, come back with me to Romans 14 and get Luke 14 on your way. Romans 14, last night at the Bible study, the kids are all on the components their phone, mm -hmm. and I, get, I had th two references going, Romans 8 and 1 Corinthians 2, and they're like, which one first? And I go, I don't know. Which one are you in? All right, we'll go there. Get Romans 14 and Luke 14. We've got to have two passages. When you, what you have to do here is you have to rightly divide the word or you end up in trouble. And this is why the average believer out there comes up with the fancy little saying that he heard a, a preacher say that God is ruling and reigning in the hearts of men. Because what has the average believer done? They've quit Bible studying. They've quit studying their Bible. They've, they've begun to just go and actually pay only attention to when the music is blaring. And then after that, they just need a little ditty to, to keep, them keep them occupied for a half hour. I, I'm worried that if any of them ever came in here and we actually study the Bible for an hour, actually two solid hours, that we would wear them out. Sometimes I think we do. Look at Romans 14. Look at verse number 17. Because what happens is, is when you begin to talk about this in Luke, 17, uh, Luke 14, verse 15. So Romans 14, 17 and Luke 14, 15. If you don't rightly divide your Bible, these two verses will, will, will hang you, will, kill, will make you 
just lose your head. Romans 14, verse 17, notice Paul. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but, what is it? Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So is the kingdom of God literal, physical, and, uh, and uh, visible? No, it's not. Paul says, no, it's not. It's not meat. It's not drink. That's literal, physical. What is it? It's moral, it's righteous, and it's spiritual. Do you, do you see that? That's what Paul says it is. But wait a minute. What about Luke 14, 15? And when one of them sat at meat with him, heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Christ is talking in Luke 14, and what does he say it is? Literal, physical, visible, we're going to eat bread in the kingdom of God. Paul says, no, it ain't. It's moral, it's righteous, and it's spiritual. Do you see how quickly you can just lose yourself? The kingdom of God has two aspects to it. It has a spiritual aspect, and it has a physical aspect to it. That's why I said, Matthew 6.33 Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There's the spiritual component. And then what's going to happen? All these things will be at. Here's the physical component. And it carries both components in it. It has the two aspects. By the way, the reason it has the two aspects is because that's how God created the universe. The universe about us is a physical thing. But he has a spiritual connection to God in it as well. People, it's amazing. We were up at the, on our trip up into Montana there, and we were at Yellowstone, and some people were talking about just how spiritual the setting was. Well, I, they're, they're coming from a different viewpoint, and I understand that. But when you, you think about it, man has been created to worship. That's what man does whether it's worship a sports team or the God of the Bible or the God of whatever, what do we do? We worship. You think about music. Music's the international language. It's interesting. You can play a Beatles song and every color on the spectrum and every race on the spectrum will stop and tap their toe. They do. Why? Because it speaks across the spectrum. Because who is the fifth cherub that covereth? Lucifer was. And what, was he, what did he have in him? Tabrets and pipes. He was leading creation in song, worship, praise. And here comes man, and guess what we're, what's built into us? Same thing. The kingdom of God carries those two. The spiritual side, because we have this connection to God, but also the physical side, because there's a university created, and it's a physical one that we're going to live in. So you have Israel, all right? That's the earth. The heavenlies, the body of Christ. Just think about this. Israel is said to be born again. They have to be physical Israel but they also have to have 
the spiritual component taken care of. The moment that you and I trust Christ, we are regenerated. We're given his life. We're brought into the family by who? By the Holy Spirit. He's baptized us into Christ, into the body. Now, we get a new body, okay? There's our physical issue. We don't get anything else. We don't have a literal, physical, visible anything that we're looking forward to. What are we, hope, what are we looking forward to? To wit, the redemption of our body. See what's happening here. Both physical and spiritual, both physical and spiritual. It's, and it contains both of them. Look over with me at Matthew 19. Look at, just look at Matthew 19. That word regeneration is only used two times. Matthew 19 and Titus 3. Look at Matthew 19, 28, where it's used in Matthew. Matthew 19, 28. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the what? In the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes. In Matthew 19, where are we? In the kingdom on the earth. And he calls it the regeneration. When he is sitting on his throne in Jerusalem, he says, that's your regeneration. Why? Because the born-again nation is going to be doing what? Sitting on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes. Isn't that interesting? By the way, they sit and judge the 12. Do you know who we sit and judge? The angels. Isn't that interesting? Titus 3. If you look at Titus 3, verse 5, here's us. Titus 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. That's how we get it. He washes us by the washing of. Israel, they get their spiritual regeneration, and that allows them to be the people that brings in the kingdom and that sits and reigns and rules in the kingdom. We get spiritually regeneration, and you know what that allows us to do? Function and operate in the heavenly places because that makes us a part of this agency that he's using just as that makes them, the Israel of God is that born-again group of people. That's who they are. Okay? So you got two issues when we talk about the kingdom of God. you got two issues in one. When he says, the kingdom of heaven, that's an earthly kingdom. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're the kingdom of heaven. By the way, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy what? Kingdom come. Where is this kingdom? It's in heaven. It's not on the earth yet. It's in heaven. 
So when it's natural to say the kingdom of heaven, because where is he? He's in heaven. By the way, whose kingdom is it? God's. So the kingdom of God. Where? In heaven. So the, when, they, you, when, you, when, when you are talking about the kingdom of God, you're talking about the spiritual component for Israel. Now, okay, take us out of it. Let's put, keep this Israel. So what's Israel looking for? They're looking for a literal, physical, visible, earthly, Davidic kingdom that they're going to go into. If you come to Acts 1, that is exactly the question that they asked the Lord in Acts 1, verse 6. Will you again at this time, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? What are they looking for? They're looking for the kingdom. Okay? Now, that's what Israel's after. You and I, we're not in this conversation because we're in Mark 1. <laughs> Mark 1 is about Israel and the 12 and the earthly ministry. And again, the, the key component here is this issue of the kingdom of God. It's at hand. The time is fulfilled. It's at hand. Just think about Scripture. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the earth, heaven and the earth. What does verse 2 say? And the earth was, out without, was without form and void. So from Genesis 1-2 to Paul in Acts 9, what's been the focus? The earth. Everything's been about the earth. Genesis 12. Abraham, you're going to be a blessing to the families of the earth. Daniel 2. The goal of prophecy is the God of heaven will bring and set up a kingdom on the earth. He'll crush the kingdoms of the Gentiles. He'll make a big old mound and he's going to, king of the hill. You remember that game? King of the hill. Bam. There it is. Every time we've passed a dairy, we're coming and we saw cows out in the field and there's always one on top of the mound. King of the hill, mom. Look at that. I made it. Why? Because that's the goal of prophecy. Why? Deuteronomy 11, Moses tells them it'll be as days of heaven here on the earth. Jesus Christ comes. You're in, are you in Acts 1? Look at Acts 3. Jesus Christ is going to come in his earthly ministry where we're at in Mark 1. He's preaching the good news of the kingdom being at hand. And you know what? Everybody, John the Baptist, the Lord Jesus Christ, the 12, the 70, all of the Bible believers, you know what they're looking for? A literal, physical, visible, earthly, Davidic kingdom. And that's what they're looking for. Look at Acts 3 and verse 18. Acts 3, 18. Peter here is uh, talking. He says, But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. God... Abraham's been talking about it. David's been talking about it. The prophets have been talking about it since the world began. By the way, what did God promise? What did God tell Adam to do? Go out, be a king. Go out, subdue it. Have rule, reign over the earth. It's your kingdom. It's your garden. Go, do. Verse 19. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come... From the presence of the Lord. They have to be spiritually 
fixed. They have to have their sins blotted out. They have to be qualified to do the job that God has given them to do. To be that kingdom of priest. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heavens must receive until the times of restitution of what? All things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. The restitution of all things. The prophets have been talking about God restoring the authority and the government of the universe back under his headship, back under who he is. Paul has just happened to say, look, here's the heavenly part of it. The prophets and the kings and the Lord and John the Baptist and the 12 and the 70, all that, the little flock, they're talking about the earth. They don't know anything about the heavenly side of it. Paul says, progressive revelation, here it is. It was kept secret, but now has been revealed. You follow that? I hope you do. All, all of Israel and her program, they're looking for a literal, physical, visible, Davidic, prophesied kingdom. That's what they're looking for. Because when that kingdom is established on the earth, what's going to happen? They're going to have their sins blotted out. They'll be qualified. Now look over at John 18. Back to John 18. John 18 and verse 35. John 18, 35. Pilate answered. Now, this is the Lord before Pilate. Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priest have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should be delivered, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Now, this is a verse that everyone likes to use to show and to prove that the kingdom, my kingdom, as the Lord says, is not literal, physical, visible, earthly, Davidic, prophesied, anything. But rather, it's in the hearts of men. But notice what the verse does not say. It says, but now is my kingdom not from hence. My kingdom is not, what? Of this world. It, do, there's a diff, it doesn't say that my my kingdom is not going to be in the world. There's a difference between of and in. <laughs> it says, my kingdom is what? Not of this world. But now, my kingdom not from hence. It's not here right now. It's going to come, but it's just not here now. Look, look, look back at chapter 17. By the way, in, in 1836, the new Bibles omit the, uh, the, the, um, the now. 
They say, but is my kingdom not from hence? They don't say, but now. The now is a timing issue. In that moment, when he's dealing with Pilate, where is his kingdom? It's sitting up there waiting for him to go get it. He's got to go to Calvary and die. He's got to be that journeyman to go get it, and then he's going to return with it, the nobleman. Look at 1711. The Lord praying here. Here's the real Lord's Prayer, John 17. He's alone. He's praying to the Father. And he says, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep thou thine own name. Those whom thou hast given me, he's talking about the twelve, that they may be one as we are. Verse 14. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. But yet in verse 14, I'm, I'm sorry, in verse 11, where are they? In the world. There, what he's talking about here is the source of life, the source of authority that the Lord's operating under, that the apostles are going to now operate under, is doesn't come from the world. It comes from where? From the Father. From the Lord himself, and then ultimately the Comforter coming, the Holy Spirit. So, in John 18, when he says, hey, we're, my kingdom is not of this world, guess what? My kingdom, no authority here. Rome didn't give my kingdom authority to exist. It's not here. It's not from hence. He's saying, I didn't get my authority from Rome. My authority comes from the Most High God. And again, they pull out the now. By the way, you should have written down by that verse, Revelation eleven fifteen. Look over at a Revelation eleven fifteen. So John eighteen thirty six says, But now my kingdom not from hence, I'm sorry, but now is my kingdom not from hence, but in the future, guess what? It's gonna be here. And that's Revelation 11, verse 15, where he says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there was great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Guess what? He's returned now to get it and to set it up. Okay? So they use verses like John 18 to say, See, even he said he's not of this world. So it's got to be the Lord, God's ruling and reigning in the hearts of men. Come over to Luke 17. Luke 17. Again, what did Matthew 6.33 say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Get the spiritual things fixed. Once you do that, then you're qualified to receive the physical things that have been promised to you through the covenants and by the prophets. So it sits in both realms. 
Luke 17, look at verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, so the Pharisees are asking him, when is the kingdom of God coming? He answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Oh, see, there it is, Rick. The God rules in the hearts of men. See, he even says it. It's in, it's within you. It's in the midst of you. And they use Schofield's note about in the midst. So they got to rewrite the verse. Verse 22, and he said unto the disciples, the days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the, day, uh, one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. See, look, the kingdom of God, verse 21, it's within you. So where is, the, where is the kingdom of God? It's in your heart, right? Yeah, it is. God's rely, it's in your heart. The problem here in this verse is who is he talking to? The Pharisees, the uncircumcised of hearts and ears, the lost crowd. So is God ruling and reigning in their hearts? Well, the answer is no. You see that? You see, they use a verse and say, see, there it is, because it says it's within you. And yet, he, who's the audience? The context tells you he's talking to the Pharisees. And the problem there is, is then now we got, okay, well, now what, you know? Again, the safer answer is what? Matthew 6, 33. Where the kingdom of God, where does the kingdom of God start? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and what? His right. It starts in your heart. It starts with a heart of belief. It starts with a heart believing in the word of God and his righteousness. So it does begin within you. Okay? But, it, and by the way, it's in the believer's heart. He's not working in the Pharisee's heart. They're lost. They're, un, they're religious. They're vipers. They're the father, the devil. I mean, they're not, they're, he's not working in their heart. Okay? But that real believer, that publican that sits there and says, I'm just a sinner. That's where it starts. It, that's where the new birth takes place. Matthew, 20, Matthew 6 demonstrates what the real issue is. Those two aspects. The mor morality, the, the righteousness, the spiritual is required to be there. Also is the literal, the physical, and the visible. Our job is to say that belongs to who? Israel. We come over to us and we say we are blessed with all spiritual blessings. We are complete in him. But in order to get into him, we had to, we had to do what? A heart of faith in the finished work of Calvary that puts us through, through the work of the Holy Spirit into the family. One day we'll get a new body so we can, we can go to work. We can rule and reign in the heavenly places 
it's interesting. People will use Paul in Acts 20. Look over at Acts 28. In Acts 20, he's preaching the kingdom of God. Acts 28, 20, uh, 31. He's got two years, verse 30, and Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the what? The kingdom of God. So you see, look, Paul's just preaching what the Lord started and Peter and the boys are carrying on. He's just, because he's preaching the kingdom of God. What's the answer to that? No, what's Romans 16, 25 say? Now he's the power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but now is made manifest see right division dispensational bible study helps when christ comes in mark one israel john the baptist himself those that are going to follow him they are looking for a literal physical visible prophetic prophesied kingdom that's been promised to them by the covenants. <clears throat> it's going to get set up. Jerusalem, the city of the great king, is going to be right in the middle of it. And it all has to do with the restoration of all things. Again, that's why they ask in Acts 1, are you going to restore again the kingdom? Isaiah, 6, uh, Isaiah 26 and verse 2 over there, he talks about them being a righteous nation. 1 Peter 2, 9, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Israel has to get the spiritual side fixed. That hasn't been, the answer to that hasn't happened until now when Christ comes in the earthly ministry and says, here I am, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that's going to come and fix your spiritual problems, and they reject him. That's why in Luke 12, he says, Fear not, little flock, it is your Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. What? I'm taking it from the religious crowd, and I'm giving it to the believing remnant. When Paul is preaching the kingdom of God, he's literally talking about the progressive revelation of Israel's Messiah. Okay? The purpose of Israel's Messiah was to spiritually fix them and to give them the literal, physical, visible, earthly, Davidic kingdom. The progressive revelation of what Israel's Messiah was doing here on the earth is now going to extend to the heavenly places and, and through the information kept secret about the church, the body of Christ. You have to remember, when Paul says that Christ was raised according to my gospel, the seed of David raised according, he's not ignoring Israel's Messiah. He says there's just been a secret side of his work. Calvary happened under Israel's program. It was prophesied, talked about, the events happened. Paul says, yes, it happened, but here's what it means for the rest of us. 
Israel, this is what it means for you. Here's what it means for everybody else. That part was kept secret. Follow that? Yep. If you don't rightly divide, the, you're going to and put these things kind of together, you're going to end up in confusion. You're going to end up reading Luke 17, 14 going, huh? With Romans 14 going, oh my goodness, there's a contradiction. And let's just rip them out. When Matthew 6.33 helps all of it by saying what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Get the spiritual side fixed and all these things will come. Then the physical side. Okay? Now, go back to Mark 1. We didn't get as far as I wanted to and time is way up. Mark 1.14. Now, after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is what? It's at hand. We're at the at hand stage. We're not in the set up stage yet. Okay? We're at the at hand stage. And it's going to be... This is the theme of the earthly ministry of Christ, or these two verses. This is the basis of his ministry. This is the main issue. This is what the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ is all about. The kingdom of God is at hand, and you need to believe the good news about it. You need to repent. You need to get it right. You need to change your thinking, because it's going to get nasty and then it's going to come back, and you can miss it. Okay? None of this is about you and I today in the age of grace. None of this is concerning the church, the body of Christ. And that's what Mark is talking about here. It's exactly what God is going to do as he's promised Israel through her covenants as he's prophesied through the prophets here's what's coming for Israel again you and I we're Romans 16 25 and 26 we're in a different category okay so leave us over there as we study Mark and we'll study where we're at okay so the kingdom of God when you hear people bounce back and forth just put your head fingers in your ears and go na 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 you know na, 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 and wait till them to get done because nine and a half out of ten of them don't know what they're talking about, okay? So I started, Rick, you should have just kept your mouth shut, and I'll end in the same way. It gets very confusing when you don't leave, when you don't understand the two aspects. Because it's a spiritual and a physical. God does rule and reign in the hearts of men, but it's the believing element, the believing remnant. He does have a physical, literal, physical, visible. By the way, this for you and I is a literal, physical, invisible kingdom. It's there. We just can't what? See it. And that's what Colossians 1.16 has taught us. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word, for the instructions here. And as we go forward, we would just leave Mark where Mark is talking about the earthly ministry of the Lord. We can rejoice in that, and we can understand what he's doing by accomplishing all that the prophets have said. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay? All right.